How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast, Game of Thrones Season 8 Recap and Review. Today we're going to recap Season 8, Episode 4, entitled The Last of the Starks. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So every episode so far, Ryan and I have disagreed, but today we're going to disagree in reverse order. I love being the naysayer, James. It's like I'm going back to Westworld Season 2, where you were keeping on it and 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 hoping for so long that it was going to get better. And, and uh, by the way, in retrospect, Westworld Season 2 had some great episodes. This is not a... This is a Westworld podcast about Game of Thrones, and I'm going to talk about Westworld for this one moment. In retrospect, it had some great episodes, but it just wasn't as good as Season 1, and Season 1 was great. And Game of Thrones is having a similar issue, where I I went back and read reviews that were written the days after a bunch of episodes for Season 3 and for Season 4, because I I was wondering, like, is is it just a bias of those things happened in the past and we're remembering them romantically but the reviews the reviews were all like god the movement and the pacing and all of the great story now all the reviews were so so positive and i guess i'm just getting fatigued by how many people on the internet are hating on game of thrones yeah i mean we're all a bunch of spoiled fucking brats <laughs> for, the, for the most part Prestige TV is always like a baseline of like pretty good, but you know we're we're all expecting a Breaking Bad level of consistency where it stays good the whole show, and maybe that's kind of unrealistic. But even at its worst, Game of Thrones is still highly watchable. The second season of Westworld wasn't as great as the first, but it was still pretty good. It was still good, like better than the shit you get on ABC Family. It's not only highly watchable, it's far and away the most watched thing on television right now. It beat out the NFL draft, it beat out the NBA playoffs, even the Rockets Warriors series that's actually getting people to watch it. It's by millions and millions of people, it is still the most watched thing on TV. Now, granted, I guess those are the things that it's going up against. There's no really other large show that's not a sporting event that it has to be a rival to but i mean nba playoffs nhl playoffs the NBA, the draft those are things that a lot of people watch and game of thrones is handedly murdering them so you know you can hate it you can hate based on the expectation that you wanted it to be great but still if you watched uh, still if you watched season seven and you came into season eight thinking, well, they're going to figure this out. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I laugh in your face a little. I didn't love uh, the first three episodes this season. I I did like episode four. I liked it. Uh, It was my favorite episode so far of season eight. I thought that uh, episodes one and two were basically filler, and then episode three was unwatchably dark and confusing, and one of the the most nonsensical battle plans put to film. And then I'm with everyone else. Like, I didn't think the lack of payoff with the Knights King. Yes, my expectations were subverted. Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson style. But, you know, that's not enough for me. I prefer a payoff rather than 
subverted expectations. It's pretty easy to subvert my expectations. It's a lot harder to write an ending with a good payoff. And I, on the other hand, had a whole lot of fun watching Season 8, Episode 3. I understood why some people hated that Arya killed the Night King. Also, as a side note, they didn't say the Night King's name or or barely mention him in Episode 4, which was a little annoying. But I liked Episodes 1 through 3. I just loved having Game of Thrones back. It's better than most other television, even at its worst. And I was I like liking things. I'm very Abed from Community in that way. And I came into Season 8, Episode 4, The Last of the Starks, directed by David Nutter. This is the last episode that he'll be directing of the series, uh, written by Dave and Dan again. I came in assuming that the same thing would happen, that I would get to the end of it, the world would hate it, but I'd be like, I mean, it was still pretty good. But I will tell you, the first five minutes of the episode was good. The last 30 minutes of the episode, things happened that were good. I wouldn't call it good, but it was they were, they were solid. Things actually happened that I found interesting. Minutes 10 through 40 were trash fires. They were, like, if there was a trash fire, and then they were like, huh, how do we make this much worse? Is that a lot of gasoline? Great. Throw that away into the trash fire and watch it explode. Let's just jump right into it. The show starts with the big funeral scene for everyone who died in the battle. You get a couple shots of some corpses on a pyre. Several of them are uh, noticeably breathing, even though they're supposed to be dead. Good job, uh, Dan and Dave, on that one. Well, that won't be the worst mistake made in the episode. And we'll talk about the cup in the future. The legendary cup. But yeah, we see Danny say goodbye to Jorah. Sansa to Theon. When she put the Stark pen on him, I liked that very much. She was crying. Her crying in that moment was better than Danny's crying over Jorah's dead body last episode. And then Danny lays Jorah to rest and whispers something in his ear that we don't get to hear, like at the end of the movie, Lost in Translation. Yeah, that was, I, I mean, I, I was like, oh, is it, that's just for them? That you're keeping something <laughs> from the audience? That's Fine, whatever. That's fine. I mean, what could it have been? Being like, thanks. Sorry I couldn't love you the way I love John. But to be fair, the way I'm treating John right now, perhaps loving me, it's, it, it maybe is not worth it. John gives a rousing speech. Oh, Sam t- says goodbye to Ed, or at least looks at him. Bye, Ed. And if you don't like or respect this part of the of the episode, your heart is cold and it was most likely frozen by a bitter piece of dragon glass. But again, after this, for me, it goes downhill. It goes downhill real fast. So now that everyone's dead and burned, it's time to party! Air horns. The air horns supposedly only saved the Clegane Bowl, but nah, we gonna get drunk. So everyone's having uh, a giant feast in the Great Hall, like in like in season one when they did that. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. Basically, everybody's getting laid throughout this scene. It doesn't happen all at once. But throughout the scene, everybody just pairs off to bang. And uh, Tormund's super drunk, and he's toasting to John. He's like, John rode a dragon. Nobody cool has ever ridden a dragon before. 
Right, in the same room Danny was in. Like, what are you doing? Like, she's sitting right there, man. To be, He toasted to the queen as well, to the dragon queen. Also, John wrote a dragon. I only know one person on earth who's ever done that. I was not at the battle when two people were doing it last. Danny, at the beginning, legitimizes Gendry, names him the Lord of Storm's End. She's trying to be very queenly. She's trying to be liked. Although, to be fair, there really is no other Baratheon to do that or to be named the Lord of Storm's End. So it, it felt like an easy lordship. Yeah, that was that was a great part when she's like, does anyone know who is the current Lord of Storm's End? And the characters are all looking around like, nobody wrote that into the show. We have no idea. If <laughs> Sam doesn't know, nobody knows. The Hound is shaking his head this entire time like, this is all really stupid. Tyrion says it was a good move. And Danny was like, see, you're not the only one who is clever. And that is the moment. Where I sat forward and was like, oh, God, that line is bad. I hope this isn't bad. Also, if I'm writing this, it, like, it is it, it is maybe, like, a good idea for her to do that. But, like, are the writers going to give Tyrion any good ideas or anything to do? Like, No. And he ends the episode with, like, another awful idea that doesn't make sense. But we'll get there. Davos and Tyrion talk about Melisandre killing herself and about how the Lord of Light might have anything to do with this, but we don't come to any conclusion on that. Where it's like, yeah, gods come in, they mess everything up, and then they leave. Who knows if the Lord of Light is real? And I was like, I want to know. I would like to know. Tell me. Someone tell me if he is real. Just ask Bran. Hey, Bran, is the Lord of Light real? Okay, let me look into it. Uh, yes. Uh, no. Bran and Tyrion talk right after that, like about an antique wheelchair. For some stupid reason. And then Tyrion says Bran will be the Lord of Winterfell. Bran's like, I don't want anything anymore. And I was like, no, duh. That's been your deal for three episodes, including the last episode where you warged the entire time and barely helped. Yeah, he's the he's he's the Buddha now. He has burned all his bur- earthly desires. It feels like his character is done, right? Like, it feels like he we might not even see Bran. Until, oh, he might be in, like, the last episode. But it feels like, it's like Dan and Dave were like, okay, wrapped Bran up. Although he's so incredibly overpowered, they could have him warg a rat in in the Red Keep and rip Cersei's throat open while she's sleeping. If that happened, I would like the show again. I mean, I do love the show. I love the show. This is a show I love. That's why I'm so angry when it's bad. But yeah, again, like that was one of the things. Like when we wanted something, like, when we wanted something extracurricular to happen to the Night King, that wasn't exactly what happened to him. We were trying to come up with the crazy versions of it. If a rat warged by Bran climbed into Cersei's face and ripped it off, I'd be like, gosh dang, I'm back. Tyrion, Jamie, Brienne, and Podrick are playing Tyrion's, like, truth or truth or lie drinking game. And, truth uh, or drink. Yeah. And basically, they, they're all teasing Brienne. They're like, ah, oh, you, you, uh... You're an only child, and you've never been fucked, and uh, she's really embarrassed about that. Although it would be perfectly normal for her to be a virgin, because uh, you know, her nickname is the the Maid of Tarth, so that implies that she's a virgin. Uh, James, her name is Sir Brienne, okay? That's right. She's a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms? And I get I get this part. It was just supposed to set up that Jamie and her were going to be able to get together. It was supposed to make Tormund sad. But again, it was just another moment in time where the writing was just really weird. In the background of it, Pod has a like 
like talks two girls into a threesome. Did you see that? Yeah, with his magic dick. Apparently the legends of the magic dick have reached the north. They really have. Although they are not helping Gendry at all. Gendry goes outside to be like, Arya, I am the Lord of Storm's End. Do you want to get married? And she's like, nah, that ain't me. You know, the thing everyone knew she was going to say. All right, well, well, guess what? Uh, this is a medieval society. I'm going to go get John to agree to our marriage. And then you have no choice. <laughs> why did Bro- <laughs> Borat? Is, why is Borat here now? If Bor- <laughs> he said that at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Well, you know, a Baratheon being negged by a Stark is a tale as old as time. So, uh, but everyone knew Arya was going to be like, I- I'm, a, I'm a lady who, who likes being by herself, Gendry. And, and you're great. But I'm about to peace out, so... Later, so apparently, what, what, we're, what we can in, intuit from this scene is that the sex wasn't that good, and uh, he just didn't bring it, and uh, <laughs> she's going to go find someone who can. I don't think she's going to go try to find someone else to have intercourse with who's better. I think she just wants to go. She's she's She already killed the Night King. She She's top shit now, and she's like, Cersei is next, and Gendry can't get in my way. We also see Sansa talk to the Hound. That was decent. I enjoyed that slightly when she was like, you know, the things that happened to me happened to me and I'm here now. And the hound's like, oh, how'd you kill Ramsey? And she was like, with puppies. And he was like, nice. Brienne goes off to like go to bed, basically, or go to go be alone by herself in her room and torments like, now's my chance. And there's the, it's like that fantastic meme where uh, a guy goes to follow a pretty girl and then the other dude puts his hand on his chest like, wait. Yeah, no. And Tormund is so sad, crying. Yeah, Jamie's just like, "Nah, man, uh, this this one's mine." I don't know. It was kind of a very alpha moment. It was, and Tormund like drunkenly did nothing about it, which is weird, and I feel like wouldn't happen, but that's fine. Jamie goes to Brienne's room. It was very like not another teen Westeros movie because they both are having trouble with their own clothes and, you know, Jamie's hand gets in the way. So Brienne's like, just let me do it. And, you know, I was kind of I was psyched for them. I shipped them hard. I shipped them harder than I did Tormund and Brienne. Uh, Although, you know, that would have been fun. But Jamie and Brienne have been looking and eyeing each other for a long, long time. Yeah, um, the, the the PC woke crowd, who I who I tend to agree with on most things, didn't like this shipping. They're like, oh, Brienne don't need no man. But I mean, she she's loved Jamie since like season three, and Jamie choosing her instead of being hung up on Cersei is like a big character development for him. He's like choosing a good person now. So I thought that this was uh, a good scene, and I I wasn't. It didn't offend my sensibilities. I didn't know sensibilities were offended, but no, it didn't offend mine either. But I very stupidly, like, didn't expect it to go badly afterwards. I was like, oh, oh, everything's great now. They're together and they like each other. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. So, yeah, we get we get that scene we referenced earlier where Tormund is, is talking up John to everybody. And Danny is, like, looking around like she's uncomfortable or that nobody likes her. And she gets up to leave, and this was really funny. Varys then looks at her like he's horrified. He's like, oh my god, she's not having a good time at the party. She's lost her fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> she has gone insane. Danny can't even, she's anti-fun. 
you know, Tormund is saying what everyone is thinking. It's like, this Jesus dude who rode a dragon would be a dope king. And John's like, you know, vomiting isn't celebrating. And I think the best, one of the best lines of the episode is when Tormund's like, yes, it is. It absolutely is celebrating. That's basically what celebrating is. Also, this is the scene that had a Starbucks cup in it, just on the table. Right. And then later on, there were pictures from this shooting day and you see a picture of Sansa holding a coffee cup so oh. Sophie Turner betrayed Amelia Clark and ruined that scene by putting the coffee cup in front of her that's uh, my conspiracy theory the cup has already been digitally removed if you go watch it now you can't see the cup anymore to be fair when I was watching it the first time I had no idea I didn't see the cup you know cup. what that I... is some some George Lucas revisionist history <laughs> bullshit alright you want them to keep the cup <laughs> We should have we we should be the on the forefront of that movement. Keep the cup. Hashtag keep the cup. Hashtag keep the cup, baby. Danny tries to first bang John, but he can't get it up because she's oh, his Jesus aunt. Christ. <laughs> and then uh then she very reasonably is like, dude, just just sit on the secret. Don't tell anybody. Oh, just, you thought you know, it was let's... reasonable? Yeah. Oh, my God. Keep saying words, and then I'll yell at you. Just, we won't tell anybody. We'll continue doing what we've been doing. We'll probably end up married. We'll rule the Seven Kingdoms together. You know, you made a promise to me. Keep your promise. And John's like, oh, my feelings. I can't do it. Oh, come on. Okay, so the way she said it to him at the end was like, I just told you the way it has to be. After John was like, I have to tell Arya and Sansa, like, they're my family, and they they need to know. And she's like, no, it will ruin my chance to get the throne, and I obviously care more about that than I do this relationship or literally anything else. I mean, it still just feels like they're setting Danny up to be almost villainous, like almost uh, unlikable to a fault. Yeah, and the, the fans are raging about this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's very obviously like they're setting her up to make a a choice that will be redeeming, right? Like, you, she can't spend four episodes just kind of being a dick to not somehow end this with like, oh, wait, I've been good all along and I remember it now. No, I think they're setting her up perhaps for that or maybe to just have a tragic downfall, which the fans do not want to see. They want to see cool and chill Queen Daenerys rule the Seven Kingdoms in a really fairy tale, happy, everybody's cool ending, which is probably not going to happen. And the fans are really upset. They're like, oh, how can you make Daenerys into this violent person that she never was in season seven and eight? Suddenly she's a violent character. No. In season five, she fed a trembling, crying man to a dragon to be eaten alive uh, just to scare all the other Miranese nobles. And nobody was like, oh, no, what a, what a terrible character turn. How could you do that? They were like, yeah, dragon power. Go Daenerys. Yeah, what are you, like a Power Rangers episode? <laughs> and there's a, it's Morphin time. And she also, you know, had Randall Tarly and his son, Sam's younger brother, burned alive, which was a whole thing. And that was a moment when Tyrion was like, oh, oh, no, this might be going poorly. But to be fair, he is still on her side. But, you know, okay, so she's in a weird spot, right? She just saw all the Dothraki die. Uh, people that she convinced to come across the Narrow Sea and help her, dead. Because of, a, uh, granted, a stupid, stupid move of 
throwing your cavalry at the front line of a group of opponents who are much, much more than you. Most of the Unsullied are also dead. She's in a bad spot right now, but she's she's still... And everyone has always told her, and she's always believed that she's dragging Jesus. Right. And she's meant to rule the world, and 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 now everyone's like, "Oh, how how could they make her into this conqueror?" It's like no, she she literally always has been. Yeah, but the problem with Dragon Jesus is that she's dating actual Jesus. So like, it, when you come when you're like, "I made dragons," and then the other person that you're with is like, "I've been resurrected." So, what what do you got now? What what, what else do you got? Although he's not even saying that. He's the whole time. He's just like, I don't want it. Everything's cool. Just let it be. I need to tell my family. Everything will be fine. And she's like, nah, I don't like any of that. I'm kind of a dick. Yeah, so they do not reconcile. It seems like the uh, the breakup is continuing on course as scheduled. Yeah, but do you I, do you believe that course ends with a, a sword through her heart, a la the Azora High prophecy? What I liked about this scene is that Danny was like clearly like putting on the feminine charm to try to influence him. And then when he left the room, she didn't like fall to the ground or weep. She just looked pissed. She's like, fuck, that didn't work. But, you know, you are the queen, Daenerys. You could just order him around. You could be like, I'm the queen. I order you to keep this a secret and never tell anyone. I mean, she basically did. That, I mean, she didn't outrightly say this is an order, but she did say at the end, like, this is the way we can be together. You have a choice in this moment. Also, you deflected. Is a sword going to go through her heart or not? Uh, I don't think John will kill Danny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no on that one. No, do you think they're just gonna like completely disregard the Azora High prophecy? Yeah, I think that you know, they have done that. The 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 Azora High prophecy was to to save the world from the Long Night, and I don't think we even have any proof in the show that the Long Night exists or would have happened anyway. No, Arya ended it with a with a dagger to the heart of the Night King after he caught her and was real cool. And then she was like, whip, 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 I'm a ninja. Now we're all, you're all dead. Ha 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 Now we have three more episodes. What are we going to do? The next day, they get up bright and early to make some terrible, terrible war plans. <laughs> like they're really good at. They're all hung over. This is not the time to be making war plans. Basically... They're like, oh, our position is so weak now because our forces are depleted, our dragons are injured, Cersei's sitting pretty with her forces not having fought, and they're like, oh, we're, we're so fucked, this is gonna be a hard, hard road for us. And then Tyrion's like, oh yeah, by the way, also, the, the Dornish and the, the, the Reach have all declared for Danny. And at no point is anyone like, okay, so let's call our banners and get those guys to send their armies. Nobody says that. Why wouldn't they say that? Why wouldn't you do that? Because Danny is being very Stannis Baratheon in this moment after he sees his wife hanging and said Melisandre could burn his daughter. He's like, we march to Winterfell no matter what. And everyone's like, that's a poor plan, sir. And he's like, I don't care. It's what we're doing. That's exactly what she is choosing to do. Sansa, being the voice of reason once more, is like, "Yeah, we need to rest, man. We need to have a, like a little bit of a, a little bit of R and R to get our forces like back up to health." And Danny's like, "Nah, we're marching. Let's get to it." Jamie decides to stay with Brienne, and that's very. Jamie wasn't at, in that scene. He just like Tyrion mentioned that he's 
that he's decided to stay with the lady of Winterfell and and Brienne and and then Danny's like, "Yep. Anyway, this is a meeting that is over. We march on." Yeah, well, there was a, a bit more shit decided where Danny's like, "Let's let's go do war and King's Landing." And everyone's like, "Oh no, if you do war, civilians will die." And I'm just thinking, when has that ever been a consideration in this show? That civilian, yes, yeah, civilians are going to die in the war. They've been dying throughout the course of the show, and nobody cared. But as soon as Danny wants to do it, it's like, oh no, think of the children. I mean, I think it's a little bit more pertinent now because Cersei has literally put a wall of civilians in between her and Danny purposefully. Yeah, can I? I just want to get into this for a little bit. So if I were if I were Tyrion now. And, and you know, uh, all my war injuries hadn't made my brain bad, which I guess is what happened to Tyrion. I would be like, okay, so if, ja- if, if, if Cersei won't meet us in the field to fight over King's Landing, then fuck King's Landing. Let's conquer the Riverlands and let's conquer the Westerlands. And then so now all you've got is Cersei in a castle in one city and we'll just wait for the winds to blow. We'll have the whole rest of the other country. She'll just have one city. But it's the city Danny wants, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, let's just make another Iron Throne. Let's just make a second one and put it on Dragonstone, and they feel good about it. But she's not going to feel good. They, they, they listen. She's been getting good advice for a little while now. Of uh, even Tyrion, the first time he met her, was like, "Why do you want to go to Westeros? You're doing great things here in Marine. You've changed Slaver's Bay for the better." Why do you have to go there? And he's and she's like, I'm going to break the wheel. I want that chair for some like she feels very entitled to that chair to the point of marching an army that's not nearly ready down to fight a second war after beating the dead. So it, it, Tyrion's making a lot of poor choices. But to be fair, she he is being outranked in the poor choice category at the moment by Danny. Sansa and... Arya bring up all these objections, and they expect John to side with them. But John's like, "No, nah, I mean, the queen has spoken. I'm, we're, that's what we're doing. We're marching now. Let's go." I think he he knows what he's about to do, though. Right then, like Danny said to him, "You can't tell the secret." But in his head, he was like, I- "I'm going to tell him. I'm definitely going to tell him." Basically, right after this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep to my word keep to whatever the queen wants and be like, no, queen wants what the queen wants. We're doing what she wants. Also, let's go to the godswood and have a weird conversation. Yeah. Sansa calls a family meeting and those are always awkward. They're never to announce something good. (laughs) John, you're totally whipped, fucking pussy whipped. And you need to remember that you're Stark and not listen to Danny, who I've always hated for reasons that are not certainly clear. And then John has Bran reveal the big secret that he's actually John Targaryen. Yeah, he's he's a he's a bit of an Aegon, and he he asks Sansa and Arya to swear to him that they won't tell his secret. And when Arya swore, I was like, she's a woman of honor; she'll keep that secret. And then when Sansa swore it, I was like, she gonna tell every like the first person she she sees after this. I need you to swear that you're not going to tell someone about this in 15 minutes. 
just uh, the, and whoever walks up to if it wasn't Tyrion, if it was literally like a tiny little baby she would have been like i have a secret to tell you but yeah why did he have bran tell them like and, and and we didn't even get to hear bran tell them it cuts away but why doesn't he just say the words because he thinks bran will do a better job the next scene I thought was kind of stupid. This is my least favorite scene of the episode. Jamie and Tyrion are in a bar all alone, uh, talking like, oh, you got laid, man, yeah! And then Bronn comes in and threatens them with a crossbow, saying that if they don't give him a better seat than River Run, which is what Cersei promised him, he's going to kill them right then and there. And they're like, okay, we'll give you Highgard, and it's even better. And he's like, okay, and if you don't do it, after the war, I'm going to come find you and kill you. And then he leaves. And and they just let that happen. They just let that slide. Tyrion got punched in the face. He did. And he was like, you broke my nose. And Bronn's like, I didn't break your nose. I know what that sounds like. So, okay. This storyline, Bronn's storyline, is the most forced piece of this season by far. It feels as though they just kind of wanted to keep Bronn around and have him do something. So, yeah, when it, when it when this scene happened, I was like, why is this placed in the middle of this episode like it just feels so weird to be here i enjoyed Tyrion getting punched in the face i enjoyed the tense scene that it created i thought jamie might get hurt but not really because i think he's still destined for a king's landing death and possibly killing euron Greyjoy and almost definitely helping or or sort of just you know queen slaying cersei while they die like both in the throne room while it burns in wildfire but this scene it, it it did. It felt... St- Bronn fast traveled to Winterfell, apparently. I did like the line, only death will, sh- will shut you up, that Bronn said to Tyrion. But yeah, it was... Um, it was one of the worst scenes in a 30-minute time span that was full of some pretty stupid things. The Hound is going down to King's Landing because uh, wah, wah, wah. plot contrivance demands it. No, the Clegane Bowl <laughs> demands it. And if you believe that's a plot contrivance, then how dare you, sir? How dare you? And Arya decides to join him, and they finally have, you know, something resembling a friendly reunion. Again, you had said in a previous recap, why doesn't Arya just tell people that she's the ultimate badass? Like, when they were having that meeting, and, and, and Sansa's like, oh, your forces are weak, you should wait, and Danny's like, I can't wait, I need to drink Cersei's blood now. Arya could be like, hey, give me a week. Give me one week, and if Cersei's still alive, okay, then march. Right. I mean, so when I saw the Hound and Arya together again, I was like, right on, man. The dynamic duo. My favorite duo in the entire show is back together and they're on the road. Clegane Bowl, get hyped. And Arya is going down there. If, again, if she does kill Cersei, that will suck. I'm really hoping for the rat warging at this point. Uh, but I was happy to see them back together again. But yeah, uh, um, don't they all know it now? She murdered the Night King single-handedly. Isn't that... A, it, like, the the world should know at this point, oh, Arya's good at this. Yeah, and she used to play around in the secret tunnels of the Red Keep, so she probably knows her way around. Right. She was down there when she heard Varys's secret conversation from season two, I believe, that was supposed to be about Danny. But I, I went back and watched it because I was like, oh, I wonder if this will this will matter. And I wonder if Dan and Dave were, were thinking of something way back when. But then it got announced like 
they only have known for the last three years Arya was going to be the one to kill the Night King. So I was like, oh, well, I, I, it sounds like they're not... And they retconned the blue eyes thing, so it felt it feels like you know they haven't been planning something for six or seven seasons that it's kind of come to pass. And also, I think it speaks to the Battle of Winterfell will be so different or not happen in the books. And I look forward to seeing what it actually is because uh, it, it feels it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen the way it does in the show. We get a short little scene of Danny showing off that both the dragons are still alive and totally good to fly and are going to survive for the rest of the season. Yep, nothing bad is going to happen to the dragons. They are all set, buddy. Sansa reveals, like we said, immediately to Tyrion that, you know, that Jon is Aegon Targaryen. He immediately tells Varys. So... Is this Sansa's strength in this moment, like her newfound strength, or her old weakness? Yeah, I mean, this was just, this is a bad decision on John's part. Benjamin Franklin has a famous quote. He's like, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. I think the point is Sansa knows that Tyrion will tell people. Like, she doesn't want it to be a secret. She kind of is little fingering in this moment. Doesn't it feel like that? (laughs) No, how dare you? (laughs) John says goodbye to the other secondary characters. Tormund is sad that he's not riding the dragon out of town. Sam and Gilly are preggers. So I guess they're done in the show, right? Sam and Gilly are gone. And so probably is Tormund, right? Like, it feels like we're saying goodbye to all three of them. Although, I mean, the theory is that Sam is the person who eventually wrote the Song of Ice and Fire and gave us the ability to know these stories. So perhaps he shows up at the end of Season 8, Episode 6, and and he's writing in a book as it as it closes. Sam starts to explain like the birds and the bees to John. Gilly's like, yeah, he he knows he knows how it hap- how it happens. And then Gilly's like, if it's a boy, we want to name him John. And then Aegon Targaryen was like, after who? <laughs> yeah, name him Aegon. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> right. While John's saying goodbye to Tormund, he also gifts him or like gives him ghost to bring back north and then as he's walking out he doesn't even walk up to ghost he doesn't boop the snoot james okay yeah everyone's really mad he didn't pet ghost or you know show any emotion when saying goodbye to ghost the snoot was unbooped and i was like all right fuck fuck this guy cersei i'm on her side now I hope I hope she. Wins. I don't think we we haven't seen the last of Ghost. No, he's gonna show up. He, I mean, so this is the first of two white fangings. It feels like of this episode. If you guys don't know what white fanging is, it's being mean to somebody that you love to get them to go away because you think that's the only way they will go away. Now get out of here, you. Just get going. We D- talked. Don't about- you see you're not wanted. <laughs> talked a lot about white banging on this podcast but yeah I, I also don't think it will be the last thing we see of ghost like as much as you want ghost to go with torment i think he's gonna follow you down to king's landing also where's nymeria man so they take a bunch of boats down to king's landing Tyrion and Varys are basically like talking about daenerys and Varys is overreacting like a huge drama queen he's like danny is crazy man did you see her not having fun at the party we need to kill her man and Tyrion's like, uh, are you sure? 
<laughs> right. Tyrion is on Danny's side still. He says, you know, of course I thought about it, but thinking about it isn't treason, which is what you're talking about. This was, I think, my favorite scene of the episode. I just, I like Varys and Tyrion scenes. It They feel, they, they feel smart. They, I think they're supposed to feel smart. But yeah, from this overall like trash 30 seconds or 30 minutes of this show, it was, I think, the part that I liked the most. But uh, Varys, uh, I think he's dead next episode, man. Melisandre said he's going to die in Westeros and also Danny might burn him alive. Do you think Danny will burn Varys alive for fun? Yeah, I wonder how nu- it would be so nuts if Varys poisoned Danny because A, that would be unexpected and B, Varys hasn't done anything for a long time, so it'd be cool for him to do something. In the books, he's, like, still actively doing shit and is interesting. In the show, he's just, like, Tyrion's fat friend. So the boats are going to Dragonstone, where I guess they're gonna chill or recuperate or make, make hopefully, better battle plans. But then, dun-dun-dun, just as Missandei and Grey Worm are, you know, uh, about to you know, start their new life. They run into Euron Greyjoy and his fleet, and he's got those scorpion ballistas, and they kill the fuck <laughs> out of uh, the green dragon. Yeah, he just gets fucked with <laughs> with uh, ballista bolts. Like, five or six hit him. Okay, one. How did Danny not see from the sky a fleet of ships coming towards them? Two... Somebody ran the math and Euron's ballista launched its bolts at about 10 million newtons of force or a third <laughs> of the Saturn V. Like, so because that's the amount or like some I some people are having problems with Euron's aim and how it was so, so good to hit the dragon three times in a row. But I, I have some bad news for Danny. She's about to blow a three dragon lead. That's right, and but but and this is I think the third time this has happened, or the fourth time actually this happened, where someone either shoots from a ballista or you know in the Night's King's, and it, with him he throws it like a javelin, and she has to like move her head a little bit to the side like Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z, and then it goes past her just narrowly, like that happens again. It's been happening a lot these past two seasons. The plot armor is strong. With her and Drogon. Yeah, not so much for Rhaegal, though. Yeah. And she looks like she's going to fly in and torch them, but then she sees, like, Euron's, like, smiling. He's like, yeah, come on, come over here. And so she f- turns around and, and beats a quick retreat. And then, this is weird, Euron invents <laughs> modern-day nautical warfare, where instead of bringing your boat up to the next boat and having your dudes jump on, you just launch shit from your boat at them, which... I don't think had been happening in Westeros until this point. They just blow the ship that Grey Worm and Missandei are on apart with ballista bolts and uh, just rip them out and Tyrion jumps into the water and the mast lands on him and you're like, okay, well certainly no one could survive that, but he's cool. Yeah, no, he's going to be fine. The plot armor is also very strong with him. And yeah, to be fair, you know, naval warfare was evolved in that moment because nobody up to this point, I think, in Westeros has had ballistas on the front of their boats. And, you know, when Danny was, was like, driving her dragon down towards the boats and, and Euron was pointing the ballista up, it was very, like, Reign of Fire, that Christian Bale movie, where they're waiting for the dragon to come over and they just want to see it, like, like fly at them to put it right into the mouth. 
Also, how much time has passed? Like, how many how many times have everyone traveled? Shouldn't Cersei be having the baby like months ago? Yeah, and 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 Gilly's baby should be like a a child now. He should be like four or five. Gilly's baby is an eight year old inside her body. They all wash up on the beach, I guess, at Dragonstone, and Tyrion's fine. Grey Worm's in a panic, though, because he can't find Miss Sandy, and he goes to look for her, but she can't be found. And somehow, Cersei knew that Miss Sandy is an important player, and they're lucky enough that they were able to, to capture her, even though when the ship went down, Euron was very far away. So you'd think either Masandi would get away or maybe drown, but no, they got her. You yeah. have a damsel in distress now. That did not make sense. But yeah, the Masandi is is in chains once more, which is very sad, and a prisoner of war with Cersei. And she always treats her prisoners of war very, very well, so I'm sure everything is going to be fine. After learning of Cersei's actions, Jamie gets up out of bed and, and learns what happened and then starts to leave for King's Landing, even despite Brienne, Sir Brienne's uh, plea to stay. Kind of feels like the second white fanging. So Gwendolyn, he says to Gwendolyn Christie, who, by the way, did an amazing job acting in this one scene. He, he says to her, you know, I'm not a good guy. I've stood by Cersei this long. But it feels like that's not what he's doing. It feels like he kind of heard that it was going poorly, and he thinks to himself, maybe I'm the only one who can get close to her. Like, it, it doesn't feel like Jamie heard those things and was like, I'm on Cersei's side again. Right, which causes Brienne to start crying, which was another thing people complained about. Like, oh, Brienne's a tough woman. She would never cry. It's like, she's also just a human being with human emotions. Right, and who just finally, like, kind of started the relationship that she had been hoping for for seasons upon seasons the day after a huge, huge battle that she survived and multiple days after she became a knight. Like, it's been an emotional week for Brienne and now right. Jamie's leaving and she... Who, people had a problem with that? Suck it, those it's people. Like, dude, we've seen the hound cry. <laughs> you know, uh, there was a point where Ramsey Bolton almost seemed like he was going to cry when his dad changed his name from Snow to Bolton. It's like, sometimes people cry, all right? <laughs> yeah, crying is something that... That everyone does. If you are, if someone's standing there like, I have not once cried in my entire life, you're the sociopath, not Serbrian. Again, Grey Worm's like, can we please just attack the city? Can we just do what everyone's been doing the entire show? And Tyrion and Varys and Jon are like, no, you, you can't attack the city. People will die. And they, they will, like, that's the point. Yeah, I know. He says that's, but they will, though. They'll, a lot of them will most likely die. To be fair, I think a lot of them are going to die either way, but that's fine. Euron reports his success to Cersei, who tells him that she's pregnant, but lies and says that he's the father. And like I said, orders that the gates be open so all the citizens can come in and kind of just be a wall between her and Danny, and then, you know, Danny and her tiny little army arrive at the King's Landing Wall to just have, like, a conversation. Tyrion and Varys get together to have the exact same conversation again, <laughs> where 
Varus is like, she's crazy, she wants to kill people in a war. I, I'm gonna poison her, and Tyrion's like, no, I will turn you in for treason. He doesn't say poison, do right? He, he's in. Does he infer poison? Yeah, he's, he's implying he'll do something. You know, he's like, I'm gonna do something about it. Uh, well, you're, you're making the jump to poison, sir. So a very pissy-looking, like, not-impressive army shows up at King's Landing. It's like Danny. Grey Worm, Tyrion, and like 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 eleven guys. Yeah, <laughs> not enough. To... Not enough guys. It doesn't make any sense. And King's Landing is looking very weird in this episode. It does not look the way it has. They're like in a desert somewhere. Very strange. Yeah, and we see kind of the outside wall of it. It feels like that's where they just they shot it in Spain, probably, and somehow we're like, that's just add no trees. We don't need trees. But the city wall is totally decked out with Lannister troops and a bunch of ballistas and a bunch of archers. And this entire scene, I was just thinking, just just shoot the dragon. Just shoot the dragon and you win. Just like point everything at the dragon and shoot him and you win, Cersei. Or shoot Danny. She's right, right there. She's standing right there. But then actually, this is my favorite scene in the show. Kyburn is like the actor that plays Kyburn is so good and the lines that are written for him are actually really good too so i love this meeting where Tyrion's like like uh talking with Kyburn and basically laying out his case and then Kyburn just slaps down each point he makes he's like no look at your tiny little army we're not impressed your dragon is wounded we've got the golden company we've got the city uh we're not backing down and we have a hostage so you lose yeah, and right. we win? <laughs> All solid points Kyburn is making. Again, so I said the part of this episode I really didn't like was kind of the middle 30 minutes. But once we get to this King's Landing part, I loved all of this. This felt like things were happening again, things that were interesting. Kyburn and Tyrion's conversation is interesting. And then once Kyburn doesn't give him the answers that he wants, Tyrion just like negs him and walks by him, which I loved. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I just, I I love the actor that plays Kyburn. I, I'm loving this role. He's like so creepy. Tyrion's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear children burning alive. And Kyburn's like, Yeah, trust me, I've heard it. It's not good. <laughs> I've done it myself. And boy, howdy, is it weird. Uh, I I do. There's that weird theory online that Kyburn will be the one to turn on Cersei eventually and try to take the throne for himself. And then when Cersei like tells the Mountain to attack Kyburn the he he won't because Kyburn made him and he's and his true her like mountain's true master is Kyburn and then Kyburn will be the uh, or the mountain will be the one to like stab Cersei and Jamie will find her in there and that is my second favorite theory behind the new warging rat theory so Tyrion walks up to the walls not you know not being able to convince Kyburn of anything he goes to the walls and shouts up to Cersei like Hey, I'm going to appeal to your sense of humanity and decency. And, and Cersei just says nothing. Of course she doesn't. Why would he think this would work? Also, why doesn't she fill him with arrows? Right, yeah, just just kill him. What, were you going to kill him at some other point? Like, what's the difference? By the way, do you think Euron is going to be like, Hey, how does Tyrion know about the child? Oh, she told him. Oh, she told Euron that Tyrion knows? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. How, how does he know, like, three uh, about this baby that just happened a week ago? He is a dumb guy, apparently. Euron's just an idiot and didn't put that together. 
well he i hope he puts it together next episode but right like she has a heart cersei has a heart except for you know when she doesn't have a heart so that was that was a bit i I didn't understand that fully when she holds her hand up and then doesn't fill him with arrows like it's the same part of like why doesn't she just ballista the crap out of danny right now i don't like aim a ballista at danny's head Danny whispers to Miss Sandy's ear, like, oh, if you have last words, say them. And I was thinking, dude. Cersei whispers that, not Danny. Oh, yeah, Cersei, yeah. Cersei whispers into Miss Sandy's ear, you know, say your last words. And I was thinking, yeah, you're in handcuffs. Make a sacrifice play. Grab Cersei by the fucking shirt and jump off of the wall. Right. And you'll kill kill her both. No one, no one was even close to her. She absolutely could have done that. Instead, she does take this moment to say her last words, which were Dracaris, a.k.a. Danny, come and burn this bitch. And then the mountain just slashes her head off real violently and she falls down. And that's that's when we see like Danny's mad queen face, which not not necessarily crazy queen, just angry queen. But all the fans were like, no, they're making her crazy. It's like, no, she's just angry. She's real angry. angry about the thing that happened. And she's, yeah, and the thing that happened was really awful. And Grey Worm is beside himself. Uh, Also, James, in our 5v5 who will die bet, this is the first one that's gone, and it was on my side. So we might have to, uh, we we should, yeah, we should wait till the end of the season, in fact, and see who's left standing. But uh, A number one, baby, in the bag. So, I mean, this whole season's had its ups and downs, but I, I liked this episode because important shit happened and there are now stakes especially in the danny and john power struggle which is interesting to me and i don't know i I just i liked a lot of the scenes that seemed conclusive but maybe you know possibly aren't and then just honestly that ending scene did it for me that's been the best uh sequence so far in season eight the ending the the meeting at king's landing yeah, the, the that was so good. It was just all the stuff during the party that kind of sucked. I mean, Missandei at the end, dying in chains again. Like, that was so, so sad and, and very real. And again, she should have suicide jumped, but whatever. The biggest surprise of this episode for me was just hearing that there's a new Prince of Dorne. Uh, I saw a comment and it was like, this time it's literally just a spear with a wig on. Yeah, I could have sworn that the Sand Snakes ended the line of martell but whatever whatever man they're back i mean the prince of dorn might not be a martell we weren't told that in in, in either case uh, like i said the first five minutes of this episode were really good i liked the pyre scene i like theon being said goodbye to by sansa her crying was very real and very nice and i liked the stuff of everything like post Rhaegal dying was in my estimation, really, really good. I enjoyed it very much. It made me sit up and be like, oh, God, no. Uh, it was just, you know, that middle 30 minutes. Uh, I, see, I'm not the o- you're not the only one who's clever. Shut up. Dan and Dave, not Danny. Dan and Dave, shut up. Yeah, they're bad writers. Um, sure. People are comparing this to the last season of Dexter, which I have no. not seen. No, 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 no. The last season of Dexter is an actual tragedy. This is still the best television show on television, even when it's not doing so well. 
So there are two episodes left, and now we're going to get into some meta-commentary here. Uh, there have been leaks. Uh, not episode leaks, but script leaks. Uh, not the entire script, but just the outline of what happened scene by scene. And they were leaked for the last four episodes. And apparently, the leaks for episode three were dead on, and the leaks for episode four are dead on. And so people are assuming these leaks for four or for five and six are also true. So I am not going to discuss any of the particular things that happens in the. Uh, in Did the you leaks. read them? I, I have not read them. Me either, and I don't want to. Oh my god! I but to be so when I heard there were there were leaks. I thought it was the full episodes, and in that moment, I was like, oh, I might go watch those. Even if they're in standard def, I might watch them, and then I talked myself out of it. Now that I know that they're only outline leaks, I definitely, definitely don't want to read the outlines. Like, again, it's my favorite show on television happening right now. One of the best parts is letting it happen to you in real time and sharing that real-time reaction with the rest of the world. So I have no want or need to read the leaks. But I think what you're about to say is everyone who's read the links, or everyone who's read the leaks hates the ending. Okay, well, st- oh, stop, stop right there. So okay. if you <laughs> want to go into the last two episodes completely pure, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. Shut off the episode now. We're going to be discussing not the leaks, but people's reactions to the leaks. If that is too much of a spoiler for you... Uh, I respect that, but uh, we're going to discuss it. I want to get Ryan's reaction to the tweets I'm about to read. Right. So this is happening right now because James said on like a Discord server with all of our friends what he's about to say to y'all. And we were all like, dude, shut up. Shut your mouth. How dare you? And he was like, oh, yeah. God, and I didn't know. One of our friends, uh, our, our, our cool friend who designed the icon for uh, this this rewatch he was like, I don't want you to color my expectations. I'm like, dude, you've already said that season eight is bad. Were you expecting a good ending? He's like, irrelevant. <laughs> it, it is irrelevant, to be fair. Um, also, come back at the end of this episode. Just don't listen for like the next five. You know what? Just stick around. Who cares? Actually, I might care. Okay. I, I don't know what these tweets are about to say. Let's see what I feel. So this is an article from The Sun. Uh, about these leaks, I'm just going to read from it. Fans have been left furious by crucial scenes that they've witnessed from the battle at King's Landing, with some even switching off. One said, this is at Mutaz Gotabi, Game of Thrones, the budget of a small country, the cast of the century, and a goliath of a network behind you, and you still manage to botch what would be the best TV show in history. That is a goddamn accomplishment in itself. Ah, and those ending leaks... The show is in shambles. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, is the general sen- consensus of all of these tweets just going to be they didn't like it? Like, because obviously, like, who read the... I want to know of the crowd who was reading the leaks and they're like, bravo, bravo. Yeah, there don't seem to be any. At Love Kawaii writes, I just read all the leaks for Game of Thrones. I don't want the ending anymore. Cancel the show. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I mean John, Aegon Targaryen. At JS Parker 77 writes, Obsessing over these apparently legitimate GO3 Game of Thrones leaks has been killing me today. Why must you ruin everything, Internet? Just let me be disappointed in two weeks with everyone else. That's nice <laughs> of him. I'm glad that 
so I, I'm assuming that there are tweets out there that just say what happened, right? But like, de- I mean, don't definitely don't read those, and because I, I don't want to know those. But yeah, I mean, all of these are just going to be people hating on Game of Thrones. But like, you know, of course you are. The rest of the internet is. You're not special. All right, so this is the last one I'm going to read. I've seen the leaked episode six, and it is the worst ending in TV history. If people don't believe me, go on Reddit or Twitter and type Game of Thrones leaks, and you'll see why the posted leaks that happened five days ago, and everything on the leak script came true in episode four. So everyone, everyone's buying into these leaks. I tend to also believe in them, because apparently... What was what was predicted to happen in episodes three and four came true. So I'm thinking whatever these people are upset about, and again, I don't know because I haven't read them. I'm not going to read them, uh, seems to be true. And maybe because I don't agree with most of these fa- show only fans like who are so upset about the Daenerys thing and are, you know, that they, they want to have a happy ending and apparently they're not getting it. So maybe I don't think I'm going to be as upset as them, but now... I'm excited again. If it's this controversial of an ending, I you know I'm into it. I kind of am too. I mean, I, I if, it's one of those like if you think this is going to be a happy ending, you haven't been watching Game of Thrones, and I'm glad that they hate it. I'm glad that their lives are worse off, and I'm glad that I'm not going to read it and just let it happen to me. I like. So the next episode is going to be the last episode directed by Miguel Sabachnik. He's the guy who directs battles. So the battle for King's Landing will occur next episode and he'll be all the he'll be battle directing it. The last episode is both written and directed by Dan and Dave, which, you know, say what you will about their writing or their, you know, say what you will. Either way, I think so George R.R. Martin and Dan and Dave had a very long conversation many years ago about what the ending of George's book would be. And they've said all along that the book and the show are going to have incredibly similar endings. So do you think that that's still the truth? Like, do you think that whatever ending occurs is, you know, the ending that George wants and is going to have? Or do you think, like, because it feels like if they hate the ending that much, then it feels almost like, yeah, George, George's ending is going to be what happens. The end of Lord of the Rings is not when the tower falls. They go back to the Shire and do a bunch of weird stuff. Like, the the end of Lord of the Rings is really weird. And George R. R. Martin's always been like, I kind of want mine to be weird. Let's make it weird. Dave and Dan have also been tapped to do a future Star Wars trilogy. After the one that's currently running is over, they're going to give Ryan Johnson, who made The Last Jedi, his own trilogy, and they're going to give Dan and Dave their own trilogy, and I I did not like The Last Jedi, not because I'm a right-wing maniac, I'm not, that's why most people didn't like The Last Jedi, I didn't like it because it was boring and dumb, and uh, so I'm not excited about Ryan Johnson getting a trilogy, and I can't say I'm that excited about Dave and Dan getting a trilogy either. Are you excited for the next Star Wars movie, the J.J. Abrams one? 
Uh, not really. Okay, so yeah, no, uh, like, I think that that's the consensus of the world right now, which is we're kind of not excited for Star Wars anymore, and it's not because of the Ryan Johnson movie, it's because of all of them, and it's because, uh, also, like, I think it's very romanticized. The, the original three Star Wars movies were obviously great, but I think it's just as romanticized as the first four seasons that I believe are near perfect of Game of Thrones, but that's me romanticizing it, like... It's all an expectations game, and there are no expectation that can be met. I think it's just the amount of vitriol, the amount of negativity surrounding both, honestly, the Star Wars franchise, which is not my favorite fantasy franchise, mine is Lord of the Rings, and the last few Game of Thrones seasons plus this last season. I'm just, I'm getting fatigued listening to people hate on it, and I really desperately want it to be good for me just so that I don't care what they think and this like the 30 minutes in the middle of this episode was the first time I was like oh no oh I'm a hater now too <laughs> I'm a little bit of a hater now at least for that 30 minutes and then you know but like you said at the end they pulled it off I liked the ending of this episode you can you can gripe all you want internet but, you know, 17.2 million people watched this thing, and that's a lot. So, we're still into it. No matter what you guys do, we're still into it. In other HBO news, a teaser trailer has dropped for the new HBO show, The Watchmen, which is the next show we're going to recap and review. I think we we will do a breakdown of that trailer once Game of Thrones is over. It's Game of Thrones time. Now. Yeah, it's Game of Thrones time. Whatever one of the three spin-offs that they're creating for Game of Thrones. Whenever that comes out, I think we should do that too, obviously. I mean, I, I think less people will watch it, you know, unless it's dope. Uh, but George R. R. Martin has something to do with those too, which a little bit of me is like, George, can we write the books, please? I, although, yeah, I'm... and But I'm the only one who thinks that, James. I am alone in that feeling. I'm not. No one's alone in any of their feelings. No one's special. Except for the people who listen to this podcast. Very special. So I just want to say that I called several things that seem to be happening. I called uh, Brienne getting laid as something that needed to happen before the show's over. Jamie killing Cersei, which seems like that's probably going to happen. I mean, everyone in the world called Clegane Bowl. It's, it's going to happen. It's probably going to be underwhelming. How dare you? Clegane Bowl <laughs> 2019. <laughs> Those are air horns. That was, no, that was a good one. Oh, man, thanks. I pulled away from the microphone just because I respect our audience. So thanks for listening, guys. If you're just listening, it means a lot to us. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter at Westworld Ryan. You can follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, if you really want to support the show, you can kick us a little money on Patreon. Hosting audios and RSS feeds is not free. We eat that cost, and you could help offset it. Yeah, thanks, Richard Hunter. You just sent us four bucks. His note said, don't spend it all in one place. And I was like, I'm going to <laughs> on audio hosting fees. If you want to say something about this episode or the next episode, or, you know, just you know, say anything at all. It's been nice weather we're having. Tweet us and we will read it on the show. And uh, you can send us a long form commentary at our email, thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be back here next week to recap episode 5 of Game of Thrones, which does not have a title, but has been denounced by everyone who has read the leaks. So that's exciting. 
a little personal note, James is back in Japan and I am back in Connecticut. You said the weather we're having. I was like, we're on opposite sides of the earth, James. That is, my weather is fine. It's spring. It's spring. Time for renewal. And for two episodes of Game of Thrones that are awesome. They better be awesome. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. I swear to God if they're not awesome, dude.